Let's take just a moment now tonight and continue our study. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 12 through 14, Paul writes, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So it is obvious from this scripture that it is we that are the witnesses unto mankind of the truth given to us, revealed to us by the Spirit of God. And God expects each of us, his children, to be a witness unto him. And this we should do at every opportunity that we have. So tonight I'm going to turn our attention now to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You might want to turn to that altogether, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. It will project on the screen, but I'd like for you to have that passage ready there with you. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Here we see Christ ascending into heaven, and as he ascends, he he tells his disciples in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, as of yet, the disciples were not filled with God's Spirit, but as, as that took place on the day of Pentecost. However, you and I, we receive power after we're born again, for when we are born again, we receive the Spirit of God in its fullness. But last week we looked at the first question that came to my mind, and that is, where should we witness? And last week I said that we should witness right where we are. And I I gave three things that I I wanted to say. I said last week, number one, be in your place. I, I, I was talking last week about the fact that you and I witness by our faithfulness to the church. And we witness when we're in our place. Conversely, when we're not in our place, we also offer a witness. However, it is not a positive witness. It is a negative witness. So I I, I admonished us to be in our place. And secondly, I said participate in all things. And uh, as children of God, we should so value the church that we, we we take part in everything that the church has for us. All the fellowships. I never miss a fellowship. I love a fellowship. I especially love the eating fellowships. Those are my favorite. Um, And I feel obligated to sample every item on the table so no one feels slighted. And I want to make sure I I appreciate them for bringing that item. But we should participate in all things that, that, that the Lord makes available to us. And then thirdly, last week I said we should practice what we preach. Be examples. Now tonight, I want to, if you'll allow me, to share a few more thoughts with you concerning where we are to worship. So letter A on your study sheets tonight, I want to say that we should worship in our community. In our community. Jesus stated, you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea. Now, this is the streets upon which we live. So this is the local influences we can affect. 
We can, we can make a difference in our community. You and I, individual Christians, can make an impact in our community if we will be witnesses for Christ. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, we are commanded to go into all the world. Jesus commanded us to go. Now, I've been in the ministry since 1981. And in all that time, I can attest to you tonight that no one has ever come to my door, knocked on my door, and asked me how to be saved. That has never happened. I've never had someone come to my house and open the door and they say, please, tell me how to be saved. I've gone to many, many, many homes and knocked on many, many, many doors and asked if they knew that they were born again. But no one has ever, in all these years, come to my house and asked me how to be saved. No, we must go. So you and I, we must witness in our community. I'm talking about at your children's ball games. While, they're, while you're there, talk to people. Witness to them. Let them know where you go to church. Let them know you're a child of God. Witness to them. At PTA meetings, in the restaurant, at the grocery store, be a witness for Christ in our community. You have any idea how many people you run into all the time? And did you maybe stop to think that the Lord has brought those people across your path so you might be a witness unto them? Now, I'm not saying you need to whip out your Bible and chain them to the fence and start going through all the scriptures with them, but you can hand them a tract. You can give them, keep some of our church brochures. We've got like 50,000 of them in the office. Take some with you. Hand one to a friend. Hand one to someone you meet. Be a witness in our community. What else? Let her be in our society. We should be a witness in our society. Again, in Acts 1.8, And ye shall be witnesses unto me, and in all Judea, and in Samaria. Now, it is not the job of the church, please listen to me carefully, it is not the job of the church to set up pulpits on the floor of Congress and preach, thus saith the Lord. That is not the job of the church to do that. However, It is the responsibility of the pulpits across America to preach, thus saith the Lord, to every congressman and senator who does step onto the floors of Congress. It's the jobs of our pulpits in America. Listen, I believe that this second tier of witness that the Lord was speaking about is not done by the influence of individual believers as much as it is accomplished by the pulpits of our churches across this nation. I have no doubt that society can only be changed by the preaching that takes place in the pulpits of our nation. If a nation's pulpits proclaim truth and righteousness, it will produce a nation of people who walk in truth and righteousness. However, if a nation's pulpits are corrupt, it will produce a nation of people who walk in corrupt doctrine. Now, you and I tonight cannot assure that every pulpit in America preaches doctrinal truth, but it is our responsibility tonight to ensure that this pulpit does. Amen? It's our responsibility to make sure that that we are a people who believe and preach the truth. So we're to go and preach, but we're to preach in our community. This is the 
This is the individual influence of each one of you. Then we're to preach in our society. This is the influence of our churches across America. Oh, God, wake up our churches across America tonight. And then thirdly, we're to preach in our world. Acts 1.8 again, ye shall be witnesses unto me unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, to accomplish this tier of witness requires that men go into the world. And this, of course, is the work of missionaries. Of course, this work of the missionaries uh, cannot be accomplished without the support of the church. For it is the church that sends forth missionaries. And this work also cannot be accomplished without the support of the individual believers. For it is the tithes and offerings of the individual that enables the church to send forth the missionaries into the world to be a witness unto every nation. So you see, tonight, each of us, you, me, all of us, do have a direct part in the work of the Great Commission, be it via the local ministries or national ministries or global efforts. Each of us must do our part as witnesses for Christ. We must go into, the, into our streets and neighborhoods and tell our neighbors and tell our friends of Jesus and witness unto them. We must tithe and offer in our local church so that uh, our church can support missionaries. And we must hold our pulpits accountable in America. We must make sure that our church and the pulpit in our church proclaims truth. Listen, folks, that's why I don't take it lightly when pastor asks me to fill this pulpit. This is a serious, this is a serious responsibility here tonight. I'm going to face God for every, work, every word I speak. And this is a serious matter. We are witnesses of Jesus Christ. And, and it, it, this is not something that as a church, we should fall asleep on. And I think it's time that we in Berean get back to witnessing, back busy going out and, and, and witnessing in our neighborhoods and supporting the mission works that, that our church supports and looking for even more missionaries to support. So where do we witness? Well, we, we witness right here in our church. We witness in our community. We witness in our society, and we witness... In our world. Now, Roman numeral two on your study sheets tonight is the second question that comes to mind when I consider being a witness for Christ, and that is, unto whom should we witness? In Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, we read, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We are to witness to every creature. Now, I'm not saying we ought to go, I shouldn't go home, to, I'm not going to go home tonight and, and, and uh, we're kind of dog-sitting for our, our children. I'm not going to go to Apollo tonight and sit there and say, now, Apollo, I'm not going to look into the face of that English mastiff and start witnessing to him. He is a creature, but that's not what the Lord is talking about. Of course, we understand that. We understand that it's not to imply that we're to witness to beasts. It is also not to be misunderstood that, to imply that, that we are to witness to all created beings. For there are, there are angels, and we're not commanded to witness to angels. By this, the Lord, of course, is commanding us 
to witness to every descendant of the fallen Adam. We are to witness to everyone, regardless of their race, their creed, or their nationality. We're to witness to everyone we encounter without regard for their person or position. We're to witness to the rich, we're to witness to the poor, and we're to witness to the middle American. We're to witness to everyone, regardless of who they are or where they are, social-wise, in our community. We are to be a witness to everyone. We are not to be selective. We are not to pick and choose. We are to be a witness to every man. In this, God is wise. He has not given us the understanding to know whom he will save or why he will save them. This is not our concern. It's not my concern whether a man is winnable or not. Now, I've been involved in ministries where that's exactly what they, they consider. Well, this person isn't winnable, so don't waste your time. Go on and, and go to somebody else. Well, why, wait a minute, who are you? Are you God? No, we're to witness to everyone. And God will save whom God will save. Amen? It is important for us to remember that we do not know when God will bring someone into our life that needs to hear the gospel. I've I've met lots of people that I'll probably never meet again. I had that one opportunity to let him know something about the Lord. I need to be ready. I need to be prepared. We must be ready at all times to be a witness for Christ. In 1 Peter 3 and verse 15, Peter says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Consider the example of the Lord himself. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to John chapter 4. Let's turn to John chapter 4 together. I'm talking about the woman at the well, and we'll talk a little bit more about her in our message tonight. But look at John chapter 4 with me. And let's look at verse 5. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Then cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. And here Jesus sits at this well, and this woman comes along, And we know the story. Now, of course, Jesus is God, and he knew that woman was going to be there, and he went there intentionally to witness to that woman. You and I, we're not God, and and, and we're not going to know exactly when people are going to come into our life, but we need to be ready for that. We need to understand that at any moment, someone will come to us, God will send someone to us, and we must be a witness to that person. Think back for a moment. How many times, I wonder, just how many times have you had this happen to you? That someone just came along and and you didn't know why they came along and you may never see them again, but they're there and, and, and for some strange reason you have this incredible opportunity to share the gospel with this person. I remember this was back in 1982, I believe. Uh, I, had, I had a friend of mine, uh, a boyhood, well, a, a, he worked with my father when I was a boy, and uh, he and his wife got saved, and, uh, and the pastor sent me there to talk to them about coming to church regularly. 
And when I got to their home, his brother was there. His brother Frank was there. And Frank and Leo were crawled up underneath Leo's car, working on his car. I needed to talk to Leo about church. What am I going to do? This guy Frank is there. What am I going to do with this guy? I said, I know what I'll do. I'll witness to him. And he'll either get saved or he'll go running out of here and I can talk to Leo and and, and Betty. That's exactly what I did. I said, hey, how about a cup of coffee, guys? Of course, in Cajun land, you say cup of coffee, that's just, that's it. Everything stops and Everybody gathers around and has a cup of coffee. So we were sitting there, and I started witnessing to Frank. And lo and behold, Frank was interested. And Frank got saved. And Frank came to church. And Frank started coming to church. And Frank came to church more faithful than his brother Leo. The man I went to the house to talk to, Frank was more faithful than Leo there was for a while. I didn't know Frank was going to be there. I I didn't even know who Frank was. I wasn't prepared to talk to Frank. It just happened. And listen, folks, we are to be ready to be a witness at any moment. And we are to be willing to be a witness to everyone we meet. It is not for us to choose who we think makes a good prospect for salvation. That is God's choice, not ours. And we are just a witness. So unto whom should we witness? Everybody. You say, well, what if I spend all that time and they're already saved? Well, praise the Lord, you didn't waste a word. Witness to everybody. And then thirdly tonight, Roman numeral three, my third question is, of what should we witness? Where should we witness? Well, we should witness in our community. We should be a witness to society. We should be a witness in the world. Unto whom should we witness? We should witness to everyone. And of what should we witness? Well, in 1 John chapter 1, We read the first three verses. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, if our witness, if our witness will be of any value, it will have to be meaningful. When I make that statement, my mind is drawn to 2 Samuel chapter 18. We don't have time to turn to it tonight. You can read it later. 2 Samuel chapter 18. It's the story of Joab and the army of David uh, battling Absalom. Absalom was David's rebellious son, which usurped the, the kingdom from him. And we come to the scene where Absalom... His hair uh, got caught in the boughs of the tree, and he's hanging there. His mule kept on going, and he's just hanging there by his hair in the tree. And the soldiers of David, the Joab's soldiers, gathered around him. And there was one little messenger named Cushai. And Cushai ran over to Joab and said, Can I go with the message? Can I go? Can I go? Can I go? And Joab said, why don't you stand and see what will take place? Oh, let me go. Let me go tell David that that the battle's over. Let me go. Let me go. Joab said, go on and go. So Cushite takes off, and he's running all the way back to the palace, or all the way back to where David is hiding out. In the meantime, Joab and his army slay Absalom. And then Joab dispatches another messenger to go and tell King David that Absalom was dead. And the first, the first runner, he gets there, and King David says, uh, uh, how goes the battle? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. There was a big bunch of people there. I didn't see what happened, but I wanted to come tell you. Well, tell me what? You don't have anything to tell me. 
And, and you see, if our message, if our witness isn't meaningful, then it's of no value. And that's where religion is today. The religions of this world have messengers with no truth. They have messengers with no hope. They have messengers without authority. But we are different. John reminds us that we have a message of truth, hope, and authority. And this message has been given to us by the one sent from God, the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 26, Jesus states, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. We are to witness of the things we have been taught by the Holy Spirit. And we are to witness with the words that he gives us. In Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12, we read, And when they bring you unto the synagogues and unto magistrates and powers, take ye no thought how or what thing ye shall answer or what ye shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say. Listen, folks, there have been times when I've been in a home witnessing to someone, and we leave, and we get in the car, and we drive away, and I go, wow, where did all of that come from? There have been times, if you've ever been out witnessing, I know you've experienced this, there have been times when I didn't even know anything I was talking about. And you know why? It's because the Holy Spirit was giving me the exact words to say. We are to witness the words that the Holy Spirit gives us. Now, with the time remaining tonight, I think we might actually finish by 8. Amen? Allow me to share a few thoughts concerning what we should be a witness of, and then we'll be done. Number one, we should be a witness of God's grace. We are the witness of God's grace. In John chapter 4, back to the woman in the well, John chapter 4, verse 28 through 30, uh, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city, And saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. This woman, she got saved, and the first thing she did was she ran into the city and started to witness of the grace of God. Then in John chapter 4 and verse 40 and 42 we read, So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word and said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world, the grace of God. Where do we begin to even describe this magnificent gift of God, his grace? It is by grace that man is saved. It is by God's grace that we have been regenerated and given the light of truth. It is by God's grace that we have received the faith to believe. It is by God's grace that we have been given the opportunity to repent of our sins and be born again. It is by God's grace that we are sealed and preserved. It is by God's grace that we can resist temptation and overcome sin. It is by God's grace that we are able to live holy, righteous lives. And this must be the message we proclaim tonight unto a lost world of sinners. This was the message proclaimed by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. This was the message proclaimed by Paul the Apostle when he stated in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 9 and 10, I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Our witness must be of God's grace unto his elect saints. Then, number two, 
We are to be a witness of God's glory. In Acts chapter 3, verses 8 and 10, 8 through 10, we read, And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. We see this man who, who had been healed by Peter uh, as he went through the temple, walking, leaping, and praising God. And, and this as the result of him being made whole and able to walk. But what about us tonight? We have been given a, great, a gift far greater than the ability to walk. We have been given the gift of eternal life in the care and the presence of Almighty God. So where is our praise? Where is our adoration? Where is our proclamation of this great and wonderful gift we've been given? Where is our witness of God's glory? Without this witness, by the way, our children, your children, will grow up not knowing of God's glory. In Judges chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, we read a very sad statement. We read, in Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being an hundred and ten years old, and they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnatheres, in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill Gaash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. Now listen to this. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Did you hear that? There came a generation that did not know of the mighty and powerful glory and works of God. And this is where we are in America tonight. We have a generation in America who does not know God and does not know of his mighty works. And this is because we, the Christians, have failed to witness of God's glory. Get out there and just praise God. Talk about all the great and mighty and wonderful things he has done for you, the great and mighty and wonderful works he has done for his people throughout all the generations since Adam. Proclaim the great glory of God. Be a witness unto God's glory. Make sure these little children sitting in our pews tonight and that stood right here and sing, make sure they know what a great and mighty God we have. And then lastly tonight, we are to be a witness of God's gathering. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul writes, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We are to witness of God's gathering. Jesus is coming again. You know, the first time I heard that, I was shocked. I got saved and I went to a church service and I heard the preacher say, Jesus is coming again. I said, what? He's doing what? Look, I was Roman Catholic. Forget Jesus is coming again. I never heard that. What? Jesus is doing what? He's coming. He's coming back. Whew. Wow. I mean, it was just as if someone had punched me right in the stomach. Now, we know not when he will return. 
maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow, maybe a thousand years from now. We do not know when, but return he will. And we are the living witness to this truth. There are countless numbers of people who need to hear this truth tonight. And it is up to Christians, just like you and me, to tell them. The truth of Christ's return is, as Paul states, a comfort to the believer. It is the substance of our hope that one day we will be gathered together in the heavens to be with the Lord for all eternity. Jesus is coming again. And we should conduct our lives as if we truly believe this. We should live our life every minute of every day with the expectation that at any moment Christ will return in his glory and we will be with him for all eternity. You know, if we lived with that truth in front of us, oh, we we wouldn't have half the problems we have. You know, when I was a kid, I knew exactly when my dad was coming home. I knew that at 4.15, my dad was going to pull up in the driveway. And I made sure that at 4.15, I was the best kid in town. Now, I don't know when Jesus is coming, but I know he's coming. And I live with the expectation that it could be before I finish this message. And I... I wish I were better at it, but I try to make sure that that truth controls my life. That at any instant, the Lord will return. And in the twinkling of an eye, you're going to be in his presence. What are you going to be doing at that instant? Well, I sure hope it's not something that you're going to be sorry for. Let us live our life with the expectation that at any instant, Jesus is coming again and live our lives to his glory. Oh, be honest and ethical in business. Well, maybe I'll be lucky and the Lord will come back before I have to pay that bill. No, 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 no. That's not the way to live your life. Be diligent and faithful in spiritual matters. Well, when the Lord returns, I won't have to worry about this, so who cares? God cares. And so should we. Oh, so much more could be said tonight. But time and wisdom prevents me from saying more. Let me just close with this. Jesus said, ye shall be witnesses unto me. Are we? Are we witnesses unto Jesus? Are we going into our community? Are we, are we trying through... Through, through, through encouraging our pastor and the work of our pulpit to, to, to affect our society? Are, are, are we supporting our church and, 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 and sending missionaries into the world? Are we witnessing unto everyone that we meet, or do we have people come into our lives and we just let them come and go and drift and never mention one word about the Lord, about, about heaven? Are we proclaiming the truth of Jesus coming again? And are we living our lives as though we believe that? And are we living our lives with the expectation of it that we might stand before the Lord having done that which is right? Ye shall be witnesses unto me.
sad thing is, we are witnesses. We are witnesses whichever way we go. We're witnesses when we do these things. We're witnesses of God's grace in our life. Or we're witnesses when we don't do them of how poor of a Christian we are. You're going to witness one way or the other. So if you're going to witness, why not make it a witness for God, not for the world? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would teach us all that we must know, that we might be effective witnesses for Christ, that we might love the Lord and and that we might praise him and, and go and witness of his glory. Father, that we might live with the expectation of your return, living every moment of our lives honestly, ethically, morally, purely, that we might not have anything to, uh, to be ashamed of when we stand in your presence. Help us, Lord, to, to, to do the things that we must do. Teach us this truth. Help us to live it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.